Hello everyone, thank you for listening to today's message. My name is Pastor Dwayne Life, lead pastor at the Life Point Community Church. What you're going to hear today is a message from one of our recent services. And we believe that by listening to today's message, you're going to be blessed and encouraged from the Word of God. You're going to be strengthened, and we believe that God's going to speak to you in a very fresh, new, and real way through today's message. So thanks again for listening. Be blessed and encouraged, and we love you. God bless. I love that line, pry our fingers from the earthly. Pry our fingers from the earth. What is it that you're holding on to today that God's trying to pry you away from? I'm so glad you're here for week four of My Church is Kind of a Big Deal. Um, Week one, we talked about how our church was connected to the global church. A strong, stable church. How our church was connected to a church 2.2 billion people strong. Our church is kind of a big deal. And how that a church just like that needs you and you need to be a part of a church just like that. Week two, you heard from some very passionate, incredible, uh, what's the, anointed leaders telling you what God was going to do in our, uh, in our church and through our church over the next 12 months. And then last week we talked about what it looked like to serve God with excellence. We talked about what it looked like to live a life of excellence. And so this week we want to continue our thoughts of these three words that I gave you in the very beginning of this series. We talked about excellence and evangelism and expectation. And maybe you have the same response to those three words that I had as I felt the Lord just dealing with my heart. I'm like, God, I don't don't see the connection between those three words. Other than the letter E. Was that me? Time out. Talk amongst yourselves. I apologize. But I don't want you to have to deal with that ringing all day long that would bother you wouldn't it it would bother me too so is that better all right Um, I I didn't understand the connection between those three words but here's what I'm going to tell you if you'll if you'll hang on with me through today and you'll be here next week you'll see the connection of those three words excellence evangelism and expectation and honestly man I love it when we connect together and how many of you understand that the, the, the preacher-congregation relationship is a special one. That it takes more than me just standing up here and, and talking just to hear my voice. What I want you to do today is I want you to connect with what I'm trying to say. And I want you to apply this stuff to your life. I hope that the response that happens after you leave is much better than the, even the response that we'll see today. While we're here, what I'm going to talk to you about is a big deal, and I'm just going to be a little transparent with you this morning. I told them in the prayer room, uh, when, I, when I preach this kind of a message, I never feel like it lands. Sometimes I feel like it just isn't sinking in. And so I've asked the Lord to help me communicate, communicate clearly this thing that is on my heart about this word evangelism. And how you and I can make evangelism a priority. How we can make evangelism a priority. And so I'm going to read you a passage of scripture. It'll be up on the screen behind me. It's in your bulletin. I want you to use this screen this morning as a last resort. If you've got your Bible with you, or, or uh, if you use your phone, uh, I want you to put your eyes on this passage of scripture. It's in, the, it's in your bulletin, so you can use it there. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 to 21, and we're going to pick out some of, these, some of the just incredible truths in God's Word. Verse 17 says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And before we go any further with 
talking about making evangelism a priority, I need you to know that if you're here this morning and you haven't experienced that new life, that Christ has something amazing for you, that he gave his life so you could have a brand new one. And if you're stuck in your old life, I want to invite you today to find new life in Christ. It's available for you, it works for you, and it's real. The old life is gone. The new life has come. And if you have experienced that, you know why I'm so passionate about that this morning. I'm so thankful that Christ rescued Dwayne. So let's continue to read. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task. Man, circle that. Highlight it. Draw arrows that point to it. God has given us this task. This is not Dwayne, something Dwayne's trying to talk you into. This is a God-given task of reconciling people to Him. Verse 19 says, For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Isn't that good news? And He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. And here's another one. I want you to circle, highlight, draw arrows. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making His appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God, for God made Christ who never sinned. Man, this is one of my favorite passages in the New Testament. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God. King James, I believe, reads it like this. And He made Him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. So we can know the righteousness of God in Him. He made Him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. Can I just stop and just tell you? If you don't hear anything else I say today, know that that's what happened for you. That He made Him who knew no sin to be an offering, a sacrifice for your sin and for mine. Let's talk about that word reconciliation. It. In a, in a biblical context, it sounds like a very religious, theological word, but it's really a very simple word. Uh, have you ever been in a, in, in a really serious argument with a friend? Or, you ever been in a really serious argument with a spouse? And it, it's not just, a, you know, you forgot to, you know, put, to unload the dishwasher kind of deal, but it's a, it's a big deal. And have you ever noticed that the longer you don't deal with the issue, the further apart you drift. Is that true or not? Well, you have a phrase for that. It's called being estranged. In other words, if, if you're married and there's a, a difficult situation that you're walking through and it, there's a break in the relationship, if you don't deal with that, you drift further and further and further apart. And we call that being estranged. That's how we were with God. There was a pretty big deal between us and God. It was our sin. Because God is holy and God is perfect and God can do nothing that is not perfect and holy. The break in the relationship was us. We would have to give God the, it's not you, it's me line, right? But because God is a God of love, He wasn't satisfied with us being estranged. The Bible says in the New Testament that we were at enmity with God. It's almost as if we were enemies. That's how far apart we had drifted. So what's the solution? God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. And he reconciled us. The estrangement was forever purchased and rectified. And we're reconciled with God. So I want to talk to you today about how you and I can help other people find that reconciliation with God. Because it is our task. And here's what you're going to say. Because I've heard all of the objections. I'm not there yet. I'm not far enough along my spiritual journey to participate in the things that you're going to ask me to. And I'm going to tell you that... that it's not a correct statement. You are. Because you have a story. 
And God's got a plan for you to share that story with the world. And we're, that's going to make more sense in just a few minutes. I'm, I'm going to tell you the two reasons that you're not going to invest in somebody else's eternity. You're not going to like me when I get done here, but I believe this to be just absolutely true. There's two reasons. First of all, the first reason is you're not personally convinced that the gospel is true. Unless you're at the point in your life, in your spiritual walk, where you genuinely believe that we were estranged from God, God made him who knew no sin to be our sin. He came to earth and lived for 33 years and shed his blood, purchased our, our, our sin, purchased our rescue to give us abundant life on earth, eternal life in heaven, and that the only way to God is through Jesus. Unless you're convinced of that, sharing and, and, and being a, an ambassador for Christ is not a, going to be a big deal for you. And I get it. But if you, if you can say with conviction that I understand the gospel to be true, and I believe it, then there really is only one other reason, and that is that you're not concerned enough about people who are eternally separated from God. And, and that's, that hurts to say, and it probably hurts to hear, but I can think of no other... If we genuinely believe the gospel, that people who... That there's, there's heaven and there's hell, and if we genuinely believe the gospel that says the only way to God is through Christ, there can be no other reason why we wouldn't share and why we wouldn't invest our life, invest our time, our talent, and our treasure into other people being reconciled to God. What other reason is there? Sean put a uh, Charles Spurgeon quote on Facebook last week, and I loved it, and it just fits here. Charles Spurgeon said, Every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. So I'm just going to let that settle for a minute. And here's what my prayer is. I prayer that, uh, my prayer is that as you leave this building today, that there's no imposters walking out the door. That we leave on mission for God. We leave as missionaries. In order to do that, here's what I want to do. I want to redefine evangelism. Let's redefine evangelism this morning. Because I'm not sure we even know what it means. I, I threw this Facebook post out this past week. Maybe some of you saw it. And I just asked a couple of simple questions. I said, what... What thoughts come to your mind when you hear the word evangelism or you hear the word evangelist? And, and you're chuckling because you read some of the comments. Most of the time when you hear the word evangelist, for many of you that responded, it wasn't a positive thought that came into your mind. Right or wrong? And most of you, when you heard the word evangelism, it, it was really, it was something somebody else did. I remember when, uh, when I first gave my heart to the Lord, we were, my, my home church was the Mableton Church of God, and, and I fell in love with these little chick tracks. Anybody remember chick tracks? I'm the oldest person in this building. Chick tracks are these little cartoon tracks. And they were, they were funny. But were, and, and I would buy them in our local Christian bookstore to give away. And, and, you know, I thought that's what evangelism was, was passing out the tracks and leaving them on the toilet paper deal in the you know, stall in the bathroom. And, and I guess all that's cool. But I think it, evangelism is something beyond that, don't, wouldn't you say? Um, that word evangelist, we've really made it into something that... Let me tell you how the word began. If you'll, in your mind, go back to 490 B.C. Persia had invaded Greece. And Greece was supposed to lose this battle. But they won two huge battles. One at a place called Marathon. By the way, that's, if you'll read into your history, that's where we get our word for Marathon. One at a, at a town called Marathon, one in a city called Soldus. And the nation of Greece won two huge battles. And because there wasn't Twitter then, 
they had to let the people know in the outlying communities and areas that we'd won the battle. And so they sent these heralds, which were also called evangelists, into these outlying communities to say, the battle is over, we've won, you're no longer bound, you're no longer in slavery, you are free. That was the message of the evangelist. And can I tell you, that ought to be the message of the evangelist today. The war has been won, you're no longer bound, there's freedom. And contrary to what you'll read on my Facebook post, an evangelist is not somebody that comes in asking for money, preaches, and leaves a big mess. An evangelist is the best, the absolute best definition I've ever heard for the word evangelist is that an evangelist is a beggar who tells another beggar where he found the bread. On my post... My wife's sister gave us the best definition. She said, evangelism is meals on wheels. Spiritually speaking, she said, meals on wheels. So when you hear the word for the rest of the day, and you hear the word evangelist, I'm not talking about somebody else. I'm talking about me, and I'm talking about you. He's called us to be that herald into our world That says the battle has been won. There's good news. There's freedom. Our our passage that we read early on said we are Christ's ambassadors. You know what an ambassador is? It's it's just a representative. What Christ has called you and me to be and to do in this world is to be his representative. Last week, I read to you what what is known as the Great Commission. And I told you that all three of our E-words is inside that Great Commission. I I want to read it again. Matthew 28 says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples, circle that word, of all the nations. Circle that phrase. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus' command to us was to go and make disciples to all the nations. I, I did a little word study on that, those three words, all the nations. And it's a Greek phrase, pantata ethna. And it literally means all the people. And so when you and I read that, we hear... Every soul on the planet. And how many of you believe that, that we need to be about the business of trying to get the gospel to every soul on the planet? And as part of a global, indestructible church, we're doing just that. Almost every people group on the planet has been reached by the church of Jesus Christ. So your church that you're a part of has been responsible for helping. Your, the church that your church is connected to is about the business of fulfilling the Great Commission and taking the world to, t- taking the gospel to all the nations, to specifically all the peoples. But I want you to know that you have a pantata ethnos. You have an all the peoples. You have a, a circle of influence around you. You have a group of family and friends and co-workers and people that you run into that are part of your people. And so here's where we dive into the idea that we need to redefine evangelism. Because in the past, I believe that most of us think that the goal of evangelism, that the goal of sharing the gospel, sharing the good news, To all the peoples, the goal was to for someone to make a decision and to pray a prayer for conversion. And and listen, that's an important part of the process. It's a pretty big deal. 
But if you'll read the Great Commission very carefully, Jesus didn't say, go into all the world and make converts. What did He say? Go and make, I told you to circle it, disciples. See, because that's where we hit the, that, that's where we hit the pushback in the southeastern United States. Because I've had some of you tell me, I can't do it. All of my friends are believers. Everybody I know is a Christian. So all of my pantata ethnos, all of my, all of my people are saved. I don't know any atheists. I don't know any staunch unbelievers. Everyone that I'm talking, that, that in my circle has already made a decision. They've already been converted. And I'm going to tell you that the goal of evangelism is not conversion. It's not a decision. It's life change. The goal of evangelism goes far beyond someone kneeling at an altar Saying a, a, a prayer, following a preacher, even though that's a big deal and I get it. And I'm, not, I'm just saying that's not the whole pie. Because you're going to say to me, everybody I know is a believer. Everybody I know is a Christian. And I'm going to say, we're asking the wrong question. It's not, are you a Christian? Are you connected to the body of Christ? Are you living an abundant life in Christ? Are you growing in your walk with Jesus? Or did you just make a decision? There's a big difference. And I promise you, everybody you know might have made a decision, but everybody you know isn't living an abundant, connected, discipled life. That is your panta te ethnos. Those people in your life that are not living an abundant life in Christ. Even though at eight years old they made a decision for Christ. You know, and I'll just, since I'm preaching and I can and I have the microphone, I'll just throw this out and I get pushback on this. I believe one of the identifying marks of a growing abundant life in Christ are people who are connected to the fellowship of the body of Christ. Are you saying I can't be a Christian and not go to church? I didn't say that. I said you're not going to be a connected, abundant life disciple disconnected from the body of Christ. Maybe you can. I've just never seen it done. I believe I believe that a vast majority of significant spiritual life change happens under the auspices of the local church. Yes. I'm not saying that people aren't led to Jesus in, in Starbucks because that happens. I'm not saying that people don't give make decisions for Christ on the street corner because it happens. I'm saying that in order to follow, Jesus said, I will build my church. Yes. It's His institution. It's His plan. His Word says it's His body. Yes. And I can't get close to Him without being a part of His body. See, it's not about praying a, a sinner's prayer. I love that, and, and that's wonderful. But it's not the end of the story. If we're, if we're genuinely going to be Christ's ambassadors, not only should we be about the business of identifying those people who've never made a decision for Christ, and I, I'm not telling you not to do that. I'm telling you you've got to widen your vision to those people who might be walking through hell on earth disconnected from the body and they made a decision and maybe they're going to heaven when they die but why should they have to walk through hell on earth until they get there? Why should they... 
The beauty that you have because you're connected to a fellowship, because you're connected to the body, why should we withhold that from people who desperately need that? Well, I might have to give up my seat. You might. I hope you do. Dwayne, it's hard. Yes, it is. Evangelism is personal. You, if you're going to share your story, if you're going to get involved in the business of interrupting someone else's eternal eternity, it's, it's personal, isn't it? It's uncomfortable, isn't it? It's intrusive. How, how dare you ask me? It's, there's fear. What if they reject me? There's fear of the unknown. What if they ask me a question I don't know the answer to? Hey, let me, let me tell you what a great answer is. I don't know. I say it all the time. People call me and ask me Bible questions. I'm like, I don't know. I'll find out. I'll do my best to find out. But, I, you know, I, I, I read it a lot and I've read it for a long time. But that doesn't mean I'm a walking Bible dictionary. I don't know. But I'll find out. So it's, it's personal, it's uncomfortable, it's intrusive. There's fear of rejection, there's the fear of unknown. What other activities do we have that fall under that criteria? Ever been to the dentist? That's kind of personal, isn't it? It's kind of intrusive, isn't it, when they prop your mouth open and then want you to talk to them? I still don't understand. That should be day one of dental school. Don't talk to people when they've got stuff in their mouth. That's kind of uncomfortable, isn't it? Well, Dwayne, there's no fear of rejection. Not, maybe there is. Would you like to hear a story? I'm, I'm a senior in high school. My dad takes me to the dentist. Now, I'll, he picks me up after school. So I had been eating school lunch food, Doritos, and Slim Jims. And I sit down in the dentist chair, and he puts those little things to prop my mouth open. He goes, oh, wait a minute. And he takes them out and hands me one of those little travel bottles of scope. My dentist told me I had bad breath. Is there fear of the unknown? I don't know what he's doing when he's in there. But guess what? At the end of the day, after the pain wears off, you're glad you went. And all, all I'm telling you is that don't let the uncomfortable nature of investing your life into someone else's eternity stop you yes. from doing it. Yes. Ah. See, and I don't want you to have this idea. See, I, I thought evangelism meant, in, in its totality, approaching people I don't know. And so I'm just going to, can we take a, a quick poll? Would it be difficult for you to approach people that you do not know and talk about their spiritual health. If that would be uncomfortable for you, why don't you raise your hand? Now listen, there are some people who have the gift of evangelism that I don't, you don't care who they're talking to. They're going to get in somebody's grill. And, and, and maybe that's you and that's cool. But I'm going to tell you that if you'll start Inside your pantata ethnos, those people that you know, people that you, you are in your circle, you'll never know how big of an impact your story might have on somebody. So I'm, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you one, two, three, four, six or seven. I don't remember. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Six or seven. We're going to call this ambassador training. Because I want you to leave here on mission. And don't misinterpret what I said. I, I, I want you to approach people you don't know. But if, if, that's a, if that's a stumbling block for you, start in your circle. Let's do this. First of all, the first thing I want you to do is I want you to search your heart. Before you, can, before you can share the good news with somebody else, I want you to search your heart. Yes. Am I living my life in response to the gospel? See, that's, that's square one. 
And if you're in the room today and you're not living your life in response to the gospel, hear this evangelist's heart. You are missing the greatest life on this planet and eternal life that you could ever, ever imagine. We talk a lot about God having a purpose and a plan for your life, and I believe that. And if you're not living in response to the gospel, man, you're missing out. And I don't know how else to say that. I'm trying to think of some great theological orator way of saying it, but you're just missing out. So search your hearts. Ask yourself this question. Am I living my life in response to the gospel? Ask yourself this question. Do I care that a large portion of my family and friends could die without Christ? Do I care that they could die without living the abundant life in Christ? Do I care? And then you're going to ask this question. Am I willing to make an investment? And oh, by the way, if, if the answer to that question is no, you can, you can stop taking notes now. Because the, the rest of it's not going to mean very much to you if you're not willing to make an investment. If you're not willing to get a little uncomfortable. I'd like to tell you there was a way for you to invest yourself, your time, your talent, your treasure into someone else's eternity and it not be uncomfortable. But it will be. But it's good. And it's right. So the next thing, search your heart, know what you believe. Remember we talked last week about being on a path towards spiritual excellence? Part of that is growing and learning and doing something really radical like this, like reading your Bible when you're not at church. Like taking an active interest in your own personal discipleship. Doing all you can do to grow closer to Christ. Isn't that what we said spiritual excellence was? See, so you're already doing that. Now, you're not going to arrive at that place where you know it all and you've, and you've got a great understanding of uh, the, the Bible and the things of God. I hope that you never get to the point where you th- say, I know it all because you don't and you're backing up. I told somebody the other day, was asking me about studying the Bible. And I said, it's interesting how the more you study the Bible, you realize how much you have yet to learn. Know what you believe. Because he told a group of people to go and make disciples. What group of people did he talk to? He He told his disciples to make disciples. Disciples make disciples. Disciples make disciples. So search your heart, know what you believe. And now, identify your panta ta ethna. Identify those people in your circle. It might be family, it might be friends, it might be co-workers, it might be... Identify those people in your life that need a connection with the body of Christ. And then once, now here's the uncomfortable part. Are you ready? Once you've identified your pantata ethna, initiate a conversation. Now, I was taught that at a very young age. And, and the best way to do that is to simply ask a question. And the way I was taught by one of these guys that has that spirit of evangelism all over it was to, was to walk up to someone and strike a match and hold it up to their face and say, do you know hell is seven times hotter than this? I've never seen that work. You know what that'll get you in, in Walton County? That'll get you beat up. And I was also taught that you ask this question. And, and I'm not saying this is a bad question. But I was always taught in, in, as, a young, as a young teenager that the question to initiate the spiritual conversation was, if you died today, do you know where you'd spend eternity? It's a great question. I think you can break it down a little bit more simply than that. I think I'm pretty good at initiating spiritual conversations. 
And you know how I do it? It's with a very, very simple question. How can I pray for you? I can't tell you how many times I've asked that question to friends, family, strangers. I've never had one person say, I'm good. Never. How can I pray for you? I, I want to challenge you with something. And I saw this on a YouTube video, and I can't wait to do this. How many of you are annoyed by telemarketers? <laughs> don't, don't throw stuff at me. I'm just asking the question. I want you to do something. The next time you, you get called by a telemarketer, I want you to do this. And you're going to prove my point for me, okay? I want you to do this. Listen to the whole spiel and be nice and have a good attitude and just suck it up and listen to the whole spiel. Because every one of them is going to be ask you this question. Is there anything else I can ask, answer for you today? Yes. My wife and I pray. When we pray tonight, is there a way I can pray for you? If, if ten of you will do that, nine of you will get a, a positive response. And they'll say, actually, yes. How can I pray for you? And that needs to be the first thing you do to initiate that conversation. Is not, hey, come to my church. My pastor's really funny. Stop. How can I pray for you? Because here's the stuff you're going to hear. Um, my kids are struggling. Will you pray for my kids? Absolutely. Absolutely. Can I challenge you with something else? Those of you that are just really radical, pray right then. Can I, can I tell you that saying, yeah, I'll pray for you, you know, have a nice day. Listen, I've done this in Starbucks, I've, in public places. I've never had one, and when I say, is it okay if we pray right now? Not one person would, has ever said, no, I'm good. Never. How can I pray for you? Well, my, my marriage is in trouble. Man. I, I wish I had all the answers. Is it okay if I pray for you? Yeah. And then pray. You have just spoken more volume about the God that you serve in that one act than 10,000 evangelism explosion classes that you could go to. Just saying those words, how can I pray for you? And then praying. And then when you leave them, I'm going to be praying for you. Here's something else that's just radical. Call them a week and go, man, how you doing? That's investing your life. Anybody can stand on the street corner with a megaphone. But God's called you to be an ambassador, to invest your life in a broken and hurting people. Yes. And that's how you do it. <laughs> so initiate a spiritual conversation and then understand the power of of an invitation. Can I show you how that might work? You're having a conversation with a coworker. You're friends, but not BFFs. That was really awkward. You're friends, but you know, coworkers more than anything else. And, and, and the conversation gets a little personal and I don't, I don't know if you know me, but I, I, I believe in prayer, and I, I'd like to pray for you tonight. Um, is there something I could pray for you about? Yes. My marriage is in trouble. We're struggling. We don't, it's like I don't, we don't even know each other, and we're just, we're just disconnected. Would, would it be okay if I pray for you right now? And then you take that one step further. Like, listen, I, I, don't know, I don't know how connected you are to a church, but let, let me tell you something we're doing. On, on February 8th, we do this thing called Married Not Live. And, and basically we come and we eat and we laugh and we have fun. And then our pastor talks about just some, some truths about our marriage. And I think, I think you'd have fun. I think you'd enjoy it. And I think it might help you. You, you think you'd be interested in coming? That was hard, wasn't it? That was so hard. See, 
what we've done in redefining evangelism, we've, taken it, we've taken it away from a megaphone on a street corner or a track on a toilet paper holder into saying, I'm interested and I'm concerned about you and I'm concerned about your family. I don't have the answers, but I want to call on God and I want to I do anything I can to help you. Y'all, that's powerful. You've heard me stand in this pulpit and say it's not about packing this building just so we can talk about how many people are here. Man, wouldn't it be beautiful to see God do something incredible in a couple just like that this coming two Friday nights from now at Married Night Live? Wouldn't that be beautiful? Wouldn't it be beautiful and I'm going to get all preachery on you and tug at your heartstrings, but wouldn't it be beautiful for you to stand shoulder to shoulder with a couple a million years from now and knowing you had a responsibility, you, had, you helped them get there? So, and I, and I haven't given you the most powerful part of this process yet. Search your heart. Know what you believe. Identify your, all the people. Initiate a spiritual conversation. Understand the power of an invitation. And, and here it comes. This is the most powerful part of the process. Pray for life change. Yes. Yes. Last time we had this kind of a, a, a sermon or a teaching. I don't remember if it was on Wednesday nights or when... I, I ask you this question, and it's not a fair question, and it's mean, but I'm going to ask you anyway. If everybody that you prayed for last week to find Christ found him, how many people would have found Christ last week? If everybody that you called by name connected and, and, and into the body of Christ last week, how many people would be here with you this morning? And if the answer is none, I'm not going to beat you up. I'm going to plead with you today to let's take serious the call of Scripture to be Christ's ambassadors to the world. And let's start in your world. In fact, let's do this. I want you to just funnel through those names in your own, all the peoples. Somebody you work with. Somebody that lives next door to you. Somebody that's a friend of one of your kids. Who, in your circle, can you invest some time into? Who is it? I want you to, to name them in your mind, in your heart. And before you do any of this other stuff, pray that the Holy Spirit invades their life. Because here's, can I get spiritual on you? Because here's how it works. If you identify who those people are, and you, now listen, you got to be genuine. This can't be phone it in. you got to be genuine. God, will you invade their life? Will you change their season? Would you, would you, would you connect them to your body? Would you change their life? And pray and, and here's the Holy Spirit has this way of doing something that you cannot do. You can't transcend time and space, but He can. Yes. And He'll start to deal with somebody's heart. And He'll start to... You felt those little nudges from the Holy Spirit when you knew that that he was trying to draw you to a deeper place and, and, and God will start, I don't know why I'm tugging at my shirt, but God will start <laughs> nudging these, that, that, that person that you're praying for and in just the right time, you'll say, how can I pray for you? And it'll be just ordained of God. Yes. So all I'm asking you to do is to identify those people, pray for them, and then be, be willing to make an investment. Will you do that? Donna, come and play. I want, I want you to bow your heads with me.
And nobody's really excited about leaving right now. It's pouring down rain. <laughs> so Don's just going to play something softly. And uh, I, I just want you to search your heart. I want you to ask the Lord, first of all, God, what is it in me you're trying to do? How can I live my life in a, in a greater response to the good news? We talked about that last week. We talked about living a life of spiritual excellence and trying to do all you can do to walk closely to Christ. Part of living a life of spiritual excellence is walking in obedience. And what He's told us to do is to be His representative in the world. Now I get it. I, I'm, I know that some, some of this stuff that I'm asking you to do may take you outside of your comfort zone. It may take you outside of the place that you feel comfortable with. I get that and I understand that. But here's what I know for sure. There are people in your group that would listen to you far more quickly than they would listen to a preacher. There are people in your circle who would listen to what God is doing in your life. And I I used to say what God has done, but how many know God's not done doing what He's doing in you? Did that not come out right? God's not done. He's not completed the work in you. And so they can see what God is doing in your life. And they'll, you'll have a, an authenticity with them that I may not have. So here's all I'm asking you to do. It's to leave this place with this, with this commitment. God, I'll be obedient with your help and with your grace. I'll do all I can do to be a representative of Christ in this world. That's all I'm asking you to do. See, we're doing the search your heart part right now. Are you living your life in response of of the gospel? Am I concerned about people? And am I willing to make an investment? And I hope... I hope the answer is yes, because here's what we're going to do. You, you had a name. I hope you have a name of somebody in your mind. And we're going to start the process today. We're going to pray for people. See, the person that I'm praying for, I don't even know their name. But I, I know where they live. And I'm going to pray for God to open a door. Here's a dangerous prayer, y'all. To pray, God, if you'll put somebody in my path, somebody in my circle that I, I know that needs you, if you'll put them in my path, I'll be obedient. I promise you, He will. So I'm going to pray for you, and then I'm going to pray for the person that's in your heart, in your head, in your mind. But I want you to leave here on mission. I want you to leave here committed to praying for life change, for somebody. Call them by name. Father, in Jesus' name, God, we are so thankful for the cross. We're so thankful that, you, that God, you gave your son Jesus so we could have life and life more abundant. And our heart breaks because there are people all around us, all around the, the perimeter of this building even who are struggling, caught in addiction, struggling in their marriages. And God, while we as a church may not have every resource to fix all the problems, oh God, thank you for the church, 2.2 billion people strong, that, that can be an arm of support and love for people in the darkest point of their life. So God, I'd ask you, I'd ask you to burden our hearts this morning. Burden our hearts for people who are disconnected from the body of Christ. Burden our hearts for people who are uh, far from you this morning. 
And then would you give us a boldness to be willing to get uncomfortable. Just enough to initiate a conversation, to extend an invitation. Holy Spirit of God, would you go before us this week as we do all we can do to walk in obedience. Don's going to sing this chorus. And just while she's singing, all I want you to do, I just want you to search your heart. I want you to talk to the Lord. God, what would you have me do? Now we have everything we need. Because you you to put prayer needs on that connection card and I'd love it if everybody in the building filled one of these out and maybe that person that the Holy Spirit laid on your heart here's what I'd love to be able to do I'd love you I'd love to join you in prayer for life change for that person and you don't have to give me the, the whole just a first name and what we'll do this week is we'll join you in prayer for somebody that God's going to put in your heart. Somebody that's already inside your all the peoples. I'd love to pray with you about that. Hey, our ushers are preparing to serve you this morning. Your tithes and your offerings, we're going to ask you to drop those connection cards in there. We're going to ask you to give your very best gift. Uh, many of you have already given online, and we always want to say, Thank you for doing that. I know maybe it feels weird when you don't not able to drop something in the bag when it comes by, but you've already given online, and we thank you so much for what you're doing and what you've done. So ushers are going to serve you. Put that connection card in there, your, your gift, your offering. We'll bless them once it gets to the front.